Good evening, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Armac. Tonight is Super Bowl Sunday as we talk. We'll be podcasting during the Super Bowl, and we will talk about the news, and we will discuss why I'm not watching the Super Bowl. Tonight's podcast, Super Bowl Sunday, is brought to you by MyPillow, a great company of ours. To call them, call them at 800-544-8939, and use promo code radio and you will get the best deals ever tonight's podcast it will be speaking about the um mask mandates and how crazy it is and also we'll speak more about joe rogan and his stuff and we will have a lot of um speaking about ron DeSantis and the left We're also going to speak about the Freedom Rallies that's going on coming up on our podcast. And also, we're going to speak about what's going on in Israel and Ukraine and Russia. All coming up on our podcast. Starting with the RMAC Network coming up. And also, we have a woke ad from the NFL that we'd like to play all coming up here on the Arback Networks. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mack. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. The reason why I'm not watching the Super Bowl is because I am, I had enough, I had enough of this nonsense of, um, of this nonsense of a leftist mindist, um, as I said last week, we had enough of leftist, um, Sports, and as we speak, the Bengals are currently losing. I will um, announce the score at the end of the show. So, we will announce everything at the end of the show. Um, As we go on, you might find that um, we will go on. All right. Let's get to the news, because we have a long show today, sponsored by Mike, Mike Lindell. It's great um, stuff going on over there. Um, I saw this in the Gateway Pundit. Um, the Gateway Pundit is a great place where to get your uh, news. And I was listening to Brian Craig all week this week, I was... Um, a little behind in his podcast. I, if you, if you, um, if you like podcasts, you can listen to him first, listen to me, and then you can either listen to him first and then listen to me. I mostly get my stuff, a lot of my stuff from him because, um, it's very useful 
from hearing an, a news source from another person and then talk about it. Um, so you can go to BrianCraigShow.com or even Brian Craig on YouTube, BrianCraig.com, and uh, get that. All right. The Gateway Pundit. The Gateway Pundit um, is a um, great website. You can go to GatewayPundit.com and you can see several um, stuff. Um, and you could look at news sources. They're very, very conservative, and it's amazing. All right, so um, a lot of um, leftist states, um, I call them leftists because um, the, they're blue states. The blue states are finally waking up and saying, well, these mask mandates are worthless. Lockdowns did not reduce morality rates. Now, they admit that mask mandates were worthless. Um, can we get the um, the clip that Dr. Fauci says masks are worthless in March? Let's get that, please. We're gonna, while we get that, um, hang on. So, um, masks are, are worthless, so, and it's really, really, it's worthless, according to Dr. Fauci, um, in March 2020, we, we, he said, masks are no, are terrible, you look like an idiot, he said Just give me a minute. I'm trying to find... We're trying to find this video. Um, but... Alright. Sorry, we couldn't find the video. But, um... Why exactly... These... These leftist states are finally giving up on people. Why exactly? Well, people, I can tell you why exactly. Because they're giving up on a lot of stuff. They're saying that, um, a lot of stuff. They're saying that we can, we, a lot of people had enough and they're, Either they're running for an election, which is 2022. By the way, um, we have a lot of stuff to speak about the elections. Um, and in this podcast, we have a crazy amount of people that um, in 2022 is going to be crazy. You never knew it before. All right, so... Um, the 2022, um, either school board or something. So the left-leaning people are scared out of their mind. 
That's why um, they're they're pulling these mask mandates off and all these other crazy nonsense stuff is is um, going bye bye. Like Trump said, we need our vote, our our freedom. Let's say if um if someone does not want to get the vaccine, they don't, they don't. Trump says don't, you don't have to. And these left people, these people, such as New Jersey, such as New York, such as um, Illinois, all these states are pulling off mandates. We have a video from Governor Murphy in New Jersey. Listen to this. Hang on a minute. Because of the dramatic decline in our COVID numbers, effective Monday, March 7th, the statewide school mask mandate. Because of the vaccine. Listen to that. Widespread vaccines. Um, Why exactly are they lifting mandates? It will be lifted. Additionally, we will lift the statewide mandate in all child care settings. Later this week, we will extend the public health emergency by 30 days to allow for this mask mandate to continue until then and then be responsibly lifted. As we have with other similar actions, we're announcing this with plenty of advance notice for our schools and child care settings, for our students and their families, our educators and support staff to determine how this will impact them and to finalize any steps they may need to make in preparation. Masking continues to be an important tool to prevent the spread of COVID and should be used in many circumstances. In the coming weeks, the Department of Health will also be updating, under Judy's leadership, will also be updating its guidance to help school districts make the best decisions as to whether and when masks uh, should be worn. I must thank the overwhelming majority of students, parents, administrators, educators, and support staffers who stood tall as role models ever since our schools returned. Does this include, is he including uh, the protests? I hope so. To in-person instruction by wearing your masks day in and day out without problem or protest. You truly represent our highest New Jersey values of selflessness, community spirit, collective responsibility, looking out for others. You are the reason why we're ready to take this step. A couple of things to note. We are removing the statewide requirement that all students, educators, staff, and visitors wear masks while indoors. Again, effective uh, March 7. We are not removing the ability of individual district leaders to maintain and enforce such a policy within their schools or any private child care provider from maintaining such a policy within their business should community conditions require. Likewise, any student, educator, or staff member, or visitor who chooses to continue masking up while indoors may freely do so, and we expect that schools will take swift disciplinary action against those who may try to demean or bully anyone who chooses to wear a mask. 
We will not tolerate anyone being put down by exercising their choice to mask up. We can responsibly take this step given the continuing drop in new cases and hospitalizations from Omicron and with all the evidence projecting a continued decline over the coming weeks. And we are also buoyed by the continued growth in vaccinations and the expectation that the vaccines will be made available to children under the age of five in early March. And we strongly encourage parents of school-age children to have your child vaccinated. Additionally, although I was quoted as saying it's not the 4th of July, I admit, but early March traditionally means the weather starts to warm up at least a bit. And Pat, you'll make sure that that happens, which will give schools a little bit more flexibility to increase ventilation, be more creative with that and further decrease the risk of COVID spread. And perhaps most importantly, this is a huge step back to normalcy for our kids. Get cash back. So, it's ridiculous. Why don't they have it in play, um, get it that lifted earlier? Because they like to play games. Listen to this. Black History Month. Not this. Um, because it's ridiculous how these leftist, um, leaning idiots finally wake up their votes, and they're not getting any more votes. New York's number one news. Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Tonight, a most disturbing crime in the Bronx. A husband and wife charged now with sex trafficking children and the victims, foster kids. And good evening. I'm Shade Bitterin-Wong. And I'm Bill Ritter. Two long years indeed, and big changes now in New York State starting tomorrow. The governor today insisting, though, this pandemic is not over. She outlined a number of places where masks are still required, including schools, and more on that in just a At this time, we say that it is the right decision to lift this mandate for indoor businesses and let counties, cities, and businesses to make their own decisions on what they want to do with respect to mask or the vaccination requirement. Given the declining cases, given declining hospitalizations, that is why we feel comfortable to lift this in effect tomorrow. Consulting with all these people, part of that whole education ecosystem, we decided that the safest way for the students, the teachers, the administrators, everyone who's part of that system, the safest way for them to return to school was to have a mask requirement. That's what we talked about before I was governor. We instituted my first day in office and said that the era of remote learning is over, except in extraordinary circumstances, and that was the whole genesis behind the mask mandate. So keeping kids safe, keeping them in school. Mask mandate. mask mandate continues in Boston to this point. We continue to be in con- uh, contact with the Boston Public Health Commission as they're monitoring very closely. We have a number of policies that are intended to really keep closing the gap for vaccinations and to ensure that we're moving forward. Um, one very big gap that we are monitoring very closely and looking to make some changes on is our uh, is disparities in terms of the pediatric vaccination rate. And so Dr. Ojukutu and the Boston Public Boston is a crazy place. I hate it. I hate that mayor. All right, Governor. 
It is the news that the governor was prepared to deliver, and we've got a couple of sound bites from his news conference, which is still going on. You can see it behind me. First is the moment where he does say yes for uh, Sounders, Mariners, concerts, things like that. Things are going to be changing soon. So I'm pleased today to... This is in Washington. Washington State. We are lifting our outdoor masking requirements by February 18th. But today is not the day to lift all of the masking requirements. We are obviously having conversations and an intensive review of what day it will be and when we can do this. It is no longer a matter of if, it is a question of when. And the governor says he will announce that at... I hate that. Um, These leftist-leaning idiots. We'll speak about this in a minute, Um, but I'm going to... Keep on playing some clips from different states. Here we go. In in New York. I mean, in Chicago. Illinois. Back now to that big news in Illinois. COVID numbers falling so fast that the governor is set to drop the state's indoor mask mandate. And just within the hour, we have learned that the city plans to follow suit if those numbers continue to decline, as well as drop the vaccine mandate for those public places. He made that official in the last two hours. CBS2 political investigator Dana Kozlov was there for the announcement. Dana, it applies to many, but not all. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jim and Marie. Now, Governor Pritzker says barring any rapid rise or sudden rise in COVID cases, that's how they say it. All right, next, let's go to Delaware. In just four more days, the signs on doors and businesses in Delaware will go away. The universal mask mandate for indoors will be a thing of the past, but the governor is still sending out warnings. I didn't mind it when it started. Like, I thought it was probably a good idea, but I was relieved that it was going away and <laughs> we wouldn't have to wear this. Relief inside Corner Bistro in Wilmington, the first state now becoming the first in the region to get rid of the universal indoor mask mandate. That happens on Friday. Waitress Kristen Bruce can't do her job without it. She tells NBC10 she thought the mask would be here for good. Do you think this would be something we'd maybe be living with forever? Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if in some places they would be here forever, you know public transportation and, you know, different places that are more high risk. Governor John Carney released a statement today, which in part read, we're in a much better place than we were several weeks ago in the middle of the Omicron surge of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. I want to be clear about this point. COVID is still circulating in our communities. How will you guys act inside here come next week? Will you keep the mask on or will you take it off inside the gym? Um, I'll definitely keep it on because especially everyone like heavy breathing and like sweaty. It's It's ridiculous. All right, let's go to CBS. With over 900,000 COVID deaths in the U.S., more than any other country, some states are relaxing mask and vaccine requirements, citing a drop in cases and related hospitalizations. But nearly 2,500 people per day are still dying from COVID-19 here in the U.S., and a handful of Democratic governors are joining their Republican colleagues in saying that mask requirements are no longer needed. President Biden says the move is, quote, probably premature. CBS News national correspondent Mark Strassman has more. Cards and be proud. Shredded vaccination cards. Proof that COVID resentment what do we want? runs.
runs a continuous fever on all sides. They say the last mile of any trip is the most challenging, and that may be the case here. But for COVID chroniclers and all you mask haters, a milestone moment. Given the declining cases, given declining hospitalizations, that is why we feel comfortable to lift this. With new cases plunging, New York is one of 10 blue states where governors announced plans to drop some form of indoor mask mandates last week, getting out ahead of the Biden administration's guidance. Seven of the 10 are dropping mask mandates in schools. I'm very excited. My children have had enough of this. I'm ready for normalcy to begin. But with COVID, reality always clouds normalcy's return. We continue to recommend masking in areas of high and substantial transmission. Um, that's m- much of the country right now. Of course, the CDC is going to say that. Now in public indoor settings. For parents of young kids, another setback. The FDA and Pfizer's decision to delay approval of a vaccine for kids five and under. At um, because they don't need it. East until April. Millions of Americans have another growing worry. America's startling inflation rate, a spike of seven and a half percent, the highest in 40 years, showing no signs of mercy until at least summer. I have noticed all of my fun money has gone to food. And for 2022 zeitgeist, COVID, economic agitation, social fracturing, these ongoing protests along the Canadian border have it all truckers furious about mandatory vaccinations. A Canadian judge's order, go home. Many did, but police this morning began making arrests and towing vehicles. Until traffic flows again on the Ambassador Bridge, two countries will worry about their latest supply chain headache. Back to the masks for a second, Lana. Here in Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp urged state lawmakers to pass legislation leaving the decision about masks in schools up to parents. But it's a sign of where we are this COVID moment that only a handful of school districts here still have those mandates. Mm. Mark, thank you. Joining me now is Matthew Herper. He is a senior writer covering medicine for Stat News. Welcome, Matthew. It's good to have you here. So, one more state. We begin with breaking news right now, a major sign that the worst of the pandemic may be behind us. California ending its mask mandate. Governor Newsom just made that announcement. You can say that. California? Oh, my God. Police. All right. Um, we spoke about the masks. Um, the reason why. I feel like that the masks in general were a or is a thing that um people can say people were fighting people were fighting for freedom and the left leaning people were um were just taking away your freedom and your rights and it's ridiculous It's really ridiculous how these people 
are taking away our freedom. And and you know, this week, Thursday, this coming Thursday, is a man who represented our freedom. And he really, really represented our freedom. Unfortunately, he passed away last year. Here's a song. It's Rush Limbaugh, Memorial Day, on Thursday. Everyone should observe it. We're gonna we miss Rush, and God bless him. On Thursday, Ottawa police are. Meanwhile, in Ottawa, Ottawa police are now arresting multiple people and even threatening charges for others caught bringing fuel to the truckers. It's amazing. Because they cut off some of their fuel supply. They did, yes. So this comes after the Ottawa mayor declared a state of emergency and after the GoFundMe froze $10 million donated to the protests. For the latest, let's bring in Toronto reporter Michael Charbonne. Michael. Bob and Rita, good afternoon. Some late-breaking news. There was a press conference where the government trotted out a whole bunch of ministers. And the situation, first of all, is they're deploying 275 RCMP troops to add to the Ottawa police force to help them. And the statement basically was that they respect the right of people to demonstrate, but not at the expense of public safety. Uh, you're correct in what you said with regards to eliminating the ability to bring fuel in. So no more fuel is coming in. And if you are caught with fuel, you can be charged and or arrested. On the GoFundMe page update, here's an interesting uh, piece. The uh, foreign intervention is what they're all upset about, saying that it causes uh, a danger to public safety. Uh, but the real question was actually reported by a Toronto Star uh, reporter who asked, uh, what about the attorney general in Texas who made a statement that patriotic Texans have donated and contributed to this worthy cause? Well, the minister, Mark Mendicino from Intergovernmental Affairs, said it's not the concern of the Texas attorney general as to how we in Canada live our lives in accordance with the rule of law. And further, Dominic LeBlanc, who is the emergency preparedness minister, said that um, the GoFundMe page basically could incite disorder and uh, does not comply with Canadian law. So things are changing up here and uh, we're going to see what's going to materialize in the next little while, how they're going to move these truckers out. You know, Michael, one of the things here is people are getting fed up with this. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously a reflection of that. But we don't know here whether it's resonating with the government there. Well, it's definitely resonating with the government because they're hearing uh, that the people in Ottawa are really ticked. I mean, they've actually had a class action suit that was just launched uh, this morning. Uh, you've got to understand that every half an hour, the truckers are blowing their horns. You, your kids can't go to school. They have to go back to learning at home. You can't go to the mall. You can't drive around. Some people say that they're, they're feeling intimidated by some of the truckers. Um, but I mean, the whole premise is here that they want something to happen. Trudeau's in isolation because he's got COVID, triple vaxxed, and, um, and he's basically saying, I'm not budging, and the truckers are saying, I'm not going to budge. 
interesting point here, just in, in, in final. Um, they, they tried to get some uh, tow truck drivers to come and be in, in preparation to tow away some of the trucks that are in Ottawa. Funny, they're having a difficult time finding truckers to volunteer to come and uh, take some of their colleagues away. Wow. This in spite of Canada being 80.3%. That's called karma. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Michael, thank you for bringing this up today. And it's crazy, it's crazy, and it's ridiculous what's going on. All right. Let's speak about the Ron DeSantis land. Here we go. BTW, by the way, we got 20 minutes until um, Snoop Dogg gets on stage. Um, we are not playing Snoop Dogg at all. We don't look forward to that. Uh, we have a woke ad, by the way, from the NFL. Trevor Noah. We're going to play that in a few minutes. That's racist. This is Governor DeSantis. That's even more ID requirements. Coming from his former vice president, Mike Pence. President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. President Trump is wrong. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. However, many other Republicans are embracing and even promoting the former president's falsehoods. And in Florida, the GOP wants to create a special police force for election fraud, which is raising alarms among voting rights activists. Ed O'Keefe has more. Well, why should you make voting harder? Cecile Schoon runs Florida's nonpartisan League of Women Voters and is concerned a proposal to establish a new police unit to investigate elections fraud is designed to keep minorities from voting. Bringing law enforcement and having them be around looking for problems, there is a concern and there is a fear and there's that chilling factor that they're going to target black people. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis first introduced the idea last year. This will facilitate the faithful, faithful enforcement of election laws and will provide Floridians with the confidence that their vote will matter. The current proposal stands at 25 investigators and officers across multiple departments. DeSantis and Florida Republicans are also pushing for new legislation that, among other things, adds even more ID requirements to absentee ballots. Florida's Republican Secretary of State, Laurel Lee, oversees elections. We're very confident that we hit a great intersection between making voting accessible and keeping voting secure. Hey, well, if it's so easy, convenient, and safe, why do you need to make all these changes? Every election brings opportunities to look at what went well and what could be better. And that's the leftists. They go... Hilarities. After some people claim they were duped into changing their party affiliation. The party's chair sent a letter to Florida's Secretary of State. This is CNN, by the way. That was CBS. Expressing concern over reports that senior citizens in a Miami-Dade public housing complex unknowingly had their party changed after updating their voter registration with people who ended up working on behalf of the Florida Republican Party. The controversy is highlighting these comments from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis back in November. Today, for the first time in the history of Florida, we've now overtaken 
Democrats. There are more registered Republicans in Florida than Democrats. Florida's so-called don't say gay bill is one step closer to becoming law today. This as it makes its way to Governor Ron DeSantis's desk. The controversial legislation says that schools cannot encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity. It set off a wave of debate over the rights of LGBTQ students and parental rights. Christian Bienvenidas from our NBC station in Miami joins us now with this. Christian, you know when I was... It's so ridiculous. All right. Um, how they do it. Um, because it's ridiculous how they do certain things about certain things only. All right. Joe Rogan. Let's go to Joe Rogan in a minute. But first, I want to talk about Carrie Lake. Did you see this online? It went mega viral. That is Carrie Lake. Right now, she's running for governor of Arizona. She's a Republican, former newscaster. And boy, did she own that reporter who tried one of their little fake news tricks. Uh, It was amazing. We'll play a portion of it in a moment. But first, uh, Carrie Lake, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Oh, my gosh. It's so good to be here with you, Greg. I'm doing great. Uh, Well, look, that was a terrific moment. Uh, It was uh, pretty wild, and you totally owned her. Did you? First question, whoever shot it, they must have been from your campaign. They shot it beautifully. (laughs) Did you anticipate that, you know, they were going to try to undermine you in some way? Well, you know, because I worked in the media for 20, 30 years, 27 years covering Arizona, I know how they operate. I know all the tricks. And so I don't go into any interview without having it shot by a camera that I'm in control of and uh, with the audio recorded because they will play tricks. They'll cut it and snip it and make it look like you said this when you actually said that. And so I knew right away they're not going to run. They're not going to run the important parts, the part where I'm talking about the issues Arizonans are facing. They're going to try to hit me with a gotcha, and they probably won't even put my answer out to their gotcha question. <laughs> well, uh, wow, it, it, it totally worked. You know them. They tried it. They failed, and you had all the evidence, all the receipts. We're going to play a portion of it. It's pretty cool. Uh, we can't play the whole thing, but you can find it on Twitter, my Twitter, your Twitter. It's everywhere, but let's take a look. Do you think Joe Biden is the current president? Well, he's obviously sitting in the White House. Do you think he's the president? I'm asking you, but I'm just wondering, do you think if do you think that if the 2020 election was triggered, seriously, triggered, stolen, is Joe Biden the president? Do you think the election was stolen? I I have no comment. <laughs> do you think that Joe Biden garnered 81 million votes? Do you think the elections silent were fair? The problem is that the American people don't have all the answers because the media is part of the problem. And you went on from there. Uh, afterwards, uh, was she crying? Was she? I mean, she seemed to be laughing. No, and I actually I mean, think she was agreeing with you a little bit. I think I might have made some inroads with this young um, woman, young lady. She's a producer from Martha Raddatz. You might remember Martha Raddatz from ABC News, the woman who teared up when her candidate Hillary Clinton lost back in 2016. Um, but, but Martha wasn't there because she was heading out to go cover 
this war that Joe Biden's trying to start on the Ukrainian border. Meanwhile, we have, of course, an invasion on our border here in Arizona with Mexico. So I interviewed uh, this young woman, asked me the questions, and I, I knew where they were going to go with it. They started off with the nice questions. Why are you running? And, and I went into all of the issues that Arizonans are facing. We do have an invasion at our border. We have fentanyl coming up through Mexico via China that is making its way into our neighborhoods. We have human smuggling, child trafficking, terrorists coming across our border, and we have inflation that's just killing the working class. We have homelessness that's on the verge of a tipping point to send us into California's situation. But they don't want to talk about that, Greg. They want to try to make any Trump Republican, and of course, I'm the Trump-endorsed candidate, the leading candidate in Arizona, and they're afraid of me. They want to make us look like we're conspiracy theorists. And the fact of the matter is, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, and the mainstream media are the conspiracy theorists. And we've seen that proven time and time again for years, and especially during COVID. Everything they said was true has proved to be wrong. Everything the so-called conspiracy theorists have said has proved to be true. So we're tired of the mainstream media. They're done. And they've been lying to the American people, and everybody's on to it. We love her, and she's amazing. All right, let's go to Joe Rogan next. Um, the media blames Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan for the COVID deaths and apologies and different stuff. Joe Rogan, let's play um, Charlie Kirk, which is amazing. We have multiple people talking about this. Um, Joe Rogan got offered $130 million uh, from to quit Spotify. And he rejected it. Here's Charlie Kirk. Not violate. And the current piety is you cannot say the N word. Now, if you're Jay Z, it's perfectly fine. In fact, if you're Jay Z, you can make millions of dollars off. It's not just him, by the way. There are entire. So the whole. Let's go back to the beginning of this. Why exactly is the left going nuts about this? Um. Is this one more fallout today for embattled Joe Rogan following his apology for repeatedly using the N word years ago? My sincere and humble apologies. Damned Rogan's language, but said it would not remove his popular podcast from its streaming service. At the same time, Rogan has agreed to delete an additional 70 episodes of the Joe Rogan experience. I do not believe that silencing Joe is the answer, right, Spotify CEO? We should have clear lines. So you get dollars off it. So you get that. All right. Next. Not just him, by the way. There are entire rap groups and movies that focus on this in a great extent. Eminem can say it, too, who's a white person, right? Eminem's allowed to do it because he kind of plays the role of a black rapper, and he gets a pass. In fact, Eminem is going to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show this Sunday. Why does Eminem get to perform this Sunday for using the N-word, but Joe Rogan has to lose his entire career? Answer, Joe Rogan is a threat to the regime. This is a coordinated social media, corporate media attack <laughs> against Joe Rogan because he's been so effective 
in getting people to challenge the vaccine. He's been so effective in getting people to challenge the corporate orthodoxy. He's been so effective in actually giving a platform to otherwise heterodox ideas. The response has been predictable. You have people that are piling onto Twitter that want Joe Rogan's entire life to be destroyed. And Joe Rogan should leave with honor, and Joe Rogan should leave quickly, and Joe Rogan should tell Spotify, I'm not going to play this game anymore. I'm Joe Rogan. I'm the biggest podcaster on the planet. I don't need you guys. And by the way, you know, people say, well, Charlie, he wants that $100 million. I know this might sound silly. That's not a lot of money considering how big he is. It, he's way bigger than $100 million. At this point now, after the COVID stuff and after this, he's a multi-billion dollar brand. And some people say, well, Joe Rogan wants to be mainstream. If he wanted to be mainstream, he should have stopped the whole like smoking weed with Elon Musk thing or swearing every other word. Joe Rogan being mainstream, he's got to choose is what I'm saying. Joe Rogan can either tell the truth or he could be on CNN. It's really that simple. And he rates higher numbers than every other media outlet. And some of you might be saying, Charlie, I don't get the fixation on Joe Rogan. Your kids and grandkids get their news from Joe Rogan. He is the most powerful communicator of this entire generation, bar none. And we don't even know the entirety of his influence, by the way. Because there's clips and people watch them in groups and there's all sorts of different cuts and downstream effects. He is one of the most effective Overton window shifter, shifters ever that we have. To give an idea how powerful Joe Rogan is, when Joe Rogan has a guest on his show that mentions a documentary, it becomes top five on Netflix of all shows. I want to say that again. If Joe Rogan's guest even mentions a documentary or mentions a movie, it becomes top five in all the Netflix shows. We're nine months out from the midterms, and the globalist regime is losing the narrative war. Of course they want him canceled. So Joe Rogan wants to be respected by the mainstream, whatever that even means anymore. But I think deep down Joe Rogan has a deeper yearning and desire to tell the truth. Joe Rogan is victim to selective outrage. That Eminem, a white rapper, can use the N-word in his songs, or Gwyneth Paltrow or Madonna can use it, but Joe Rogan can't use it, not even as a pejorative, not even in a sentence, but quoting other people. And by the way, let's just make one other point. Joe Rogan is a legitimately talented stand-up comedian. Comedians have always been exempt, or used to be, exempt to the traditional rules of policing speech. George Carlin... I don't even know if he'd be allowed to have a career anymore. Then another one they said, it's like, oh, Joe Rogan was making fun of Nazi salutes. You ever see Seinfeld? Jerry Seinfeld had a whole episode on the half Heil and the full Heil. That's like, and he's a Jew. And Jerry Seinfeld did that on network television, on NBC. Jerry Seinfeld did that. You ever see Diversity Day with Michael Scott in the office? You want to talk about politically incorrect. It's crazy. All right. Five days ago, he explained. Joe Rogan explains. Um, we have the clip. 
Here we go. Wait, how are you? I'm good. You're good? You, you seem good. If you stay offline, yeah. it's just real life. Yeah. You just have to stay offline. And real life is people who know you, and you're yeah. a great guy. Yeah, you, you just, life goes on. That's yeah. normal. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, like, all this is a relief. Because it's like, just, because that, that video had always been out there. Right. It's like, this is a political hit job. And yes. so they're taking all this stuff that I've ever said that's wrong and smushing it all together. Right. But it's good because it makes me address some shit that I really wish wasn't out there. And you know why I'm proud of you? Because I, I think comedians have for years done this immature thing where it's like, we don't apologize. We say whatever we want. You can apologize if you say some wild shit. And we've all said some wild shit. And you apologize and own that it's wrong. Good for you. You should apologize if you regret something. Yes. This idea that you should never apologize. Yes. Like, if you regret something, I don't think there's anything wrong with apologizing. But I, I do think you have to be very careful to not apologize for nonsense. Correct. Like, you see Aquafina, She apologized. Like, she defended. <laughs> I guess she didn't apologize. She de- sort of defended the way she talks, yes. and they were saying that it was a black scent. Yeah, which is you know, come on, man. Which uh, I probably have one of those. But There's it's a lot of can I tell those. you the tricky thing about not being black or white in this country, and we're not. Vic- All right, he sounds like a crazy guy. I don't listen to him, General. But the whole Joe Rogan thing is nonsense. All right, next, let's go to um. Well, big tech, these companies are more powerful than any private companies in the history of the world. They exercise more monopoly power over our day. Or, you know what, let's go to him speaking about Joe Rogan. Governor Ron DeSantis has come to the defense of Joe Rogan, who has come under fire for spreading misinformation about COVID-19 and repeatedly using the N-word on past podcasts. In a video posted to Fox News, the governor says the issue isn't Rogan, it's the liberal mob. And I think the left fear the fact that he can reach so many people, and so they're out to destroy him. But what I would say is don't give an inch do not apologize. Do not cow to the mob. Stand up and tell them to pound sand. If you do that, there's really nothing that they're able to do. The governor says it's crazy what they're doing. All right, let's go. Let's move on. Next. Uh, Stacey Abrams. Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams pushing back after facing backlash for appearing in a since-deleted tweet that featured her maskless surrounded by children who were wearing their masks. Abrams has championed more stringent masking policies in schools. Uh, the Abrams campaign in a statement wrote, It is shameful that our opponents are using a Black History Month reading event for Georgia children as the impetus for a false political attack, and it is pitiful and predictable that our opponents continue to look for opportunities to distract from their failed records when it comes to protecting public health during the pandemic. It's crazy and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Next. Introducing Double Chico efforts to overturn the election there is pushing back on his lawyer's attempts to derail the investigation. She's also off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next is 
this. By the way, it's halftime right now. Thanks for your time. You've been waiting months for this. Let's follow that story about the Prime Minister reopening the borders to international travellers. Double vaccinated tourists will be... That's in Australia. Here we go. ...free to enter the country from February 21. That's welcome news, obviously, for our travel and tourism sector. Joining me, the Chief Executive of one of Australia's biggest group of travel agents, Flight Centre, Graham Turner is that man. He joins me now. Graham, many thanks for your time. You've been waiting months for this, let's be honest. Is it overdue, do you believe? Ross, yeah, it, it is overdue. I mean, I think we've had, uh, you know, the students as well as... Um, you know, backpackers being able to come in for some time, Australians have been able to return. But anyway, it's it's better late than never, and um, you know, it is really it is really good news. And it's not only good news for the travel industry, for airlines, for airports, but obviously the, the tourism uh, sector has been waiting for this for a long time. Do you think there's many in that tourism sector who have simply not made it this far, that uh, have had to give up the ghost or have been sent broke as a result of these locked borders for such a long period? Look, obviously there, there is and there will be. Um, hopefully uh, most of them have managed to hang on. It's going to take them a while to get back, particularly those focused on, um, on foreign uh, countries, you know, particularly UK, Europe, um, USA, Canada in particular, and obviously a lot of them have a fairly big New Zealand market, which is not going to be helped at this stage by the looks because people can't get back to New Zealand. But, uh, you yeah, know, it's good news, and I think it means that the, the, the tourism industry generally, particularly those who focus on uh, the inbound, are, are going to be able to develop their, get their products back up and running. So it's good news. And just explain some of the ways that you've had to change at Flight Centre to, to adjust to this, uh, the fact that obviously there's not as much outbound tourism taking place and the inbound tourism had stopped as well. What sort of just did you need to make at Flight Centre, Australia's largest travel company? Look, we, we had, um, had 11,000 people in Australia. We're in 24 countries and about 21,000 people around. So we've had to lose about two-thirds of our people. We're back up globally from 21,000 originally. We're back to about 10,000 people now and, uh, and building back up to, to make sure that uh, you know, we can cope with the demand as it comes back. And obviously, this, this announcement is going to help out our businesses in um, places like South Africa, UK, um, Europe, uh, Canada and the USA. So that's really good news there. I think um, opening up to, to Australians to travel internationally, which happened in November, was something that really, really made a big difference in Australia too. So, you know, generally we're on the way back. Uh, I know there's going to be ups and downs, but we're pretty happy at the moment. I was going to say, Ed just told us that the uh, Australian dollar's under 71 US cents, so under normal circumstances that would almost be the, the catalyst for many international tourists to come to Australia because it would be relatively cheap. What's your sense of the pent-up demand for tourists to come to Australia at this time? Look, it, it, there will be pent-up demand, but um, you know, we haven't made it easy for people. And uh, it's not only Australia, but um, a lot of other countries have made it difficult. And you know, if you look at Asia, which, is, which was a big um, um, tourist, inbound tourist market for Australia, it's still pretty tight. You know, some of the countries... 
uh, allowing some travel, but it's quite hard to get back after you've been in Australia or even even a place like Singapore. So we still got a fair way to go with that. But um, it's re- it's it's amazing, and God willing, we'll get to Australia one day. All right. Um, U.S. skier chose to represent China. China. More on this with Michael Knoll. There is an American skier, Eileen Gu, who is competing for China in the Olympics. She was born and raised in San Francisco, and she's not competing for America. She had the choice. She could compete for America or China. She chose Communist China. She said, I've decided to compete for China in the upcoming 2022 Winter Olympics. This was an incredibly tough decision for me to make. I'm extremely thankful for U.S. Ski and Snowboard and the Chinese Ski Association for having the vision and belief in me to make my dreams come true. I'm proud of my heritage and equally proud of my American upbringing. In in other words, thank you, America, for raising me and giving me everything that I have and and being the country that formed me. Bye. I'm going to go. It's basically she's saying... I love America, thank you America, but screw you, literally, screw you, it's like that, and um, it's really like that, and I'm like, bye um, to her, it's ridiculous, there were two, there were three, Four people who represented them, um, and it's ridiculous what's going on over there. They're being fed like garbage, and yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, let's speak about Eric Adams. Remember this? Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department with one of the black law enforcement. Hey, Miss Sergeant, a lieutenant, and a captain, you know the story. Some people all of a sudden trying to reinvent me. But the reality is, what I was then is who I am now. I'm called again. So it's so interesting. I'm coming right after the sister talking about um, uh, cannabis. I would rather wear white all day, grow a beard, smoke some weed, and leave this stuff alone. He sounds ridiculous, and he is the most ridiculous mayor. I regret him. He's not doing a single thing. That man is not doing a thing right now. He's just smoking pot and sitting on his butt all day. Just look at the media. Media is representing him from losing. Well, Greg Kelly. He doesn't know much. Uh, What's going on? He's talking about um, vegan. Listen to this. So this is Eric Adams, uh, the new mayor of New York City. And folks, we have a problem here in New York. He doesn't know much. Uh, Let's speak about the crime. Uh, Just give me a second uh, after this. Um, I'm going to speak about the crime in New York City. About this weekend. How many crimes and anti-Semitic attacks has happened over the weekend in New York City? Really... It's not impressive. I'm sorry. And when you lie about the small things, you'll lie about the big things. And he's been caught in lies. He's also been caught in some racist statements. But this is a strange little controversy about his diet. I eat a plant-based centered life. 
Some people want to call me vegan. Vegans eat Oreos and they drink Coca-Cola. I don't. I eat a plant-based centered life. And those who are the food police for me, uh, they can food police all the time. I eat a plant-based centered life. Okay, well, he actually called himself a vegan. Uh, he wrote, ran around campaigning, I'm the vegan guy for mayor. Headlines all over the place. This is a big part of his identity. He's vegan. Veganism changed his life. Veganism being no meat, no animal products whatsoever, no fish, no eggs. It's all in his book, by the way. He wrote a book about this. He's not a dietitian or anything like that. He's just a, just got a big smile. And in the book, it says as follows. Uh, seafood is one of the highest sources of dietary cholesterol. Again, according to Eric Adams. Next, studies show that folks who don't eat meat and fish cut their risk of dementia by 50%. Fish, you know, I, I never heard that about fish, but he's he's writing it down. It got some people curious. All right, uh, what does he really eat? So Politico reports, they went to some restaurants where he went, and a restaurant employee told Politico, Adams usually dines on fish and salad, even though the mayor claims he's a vegan and wrote that book we just talked about. Next, it says, according to a waiter, he's not a vegan, he's a pescatarian. That's somebody who eats fish, who was granted anonymity to speak candidly about the mayor. Uh, hmm. So he was challenged about this. All right, what's going on here? And he got really defensive. I eat a plant-based centered life. I eat a plant-based centered life. And I'm not going down this rabbit hole of what do you eat if you eat cake and it has eggs in it that you analyze it. I'm not doing that. All right. Well, um, you did it when you were running for mayor. And again, if you lie about the small things, you're probably lying about the big things. And he is. And we caught him. Uh, I am perfectly imperfect, he says, and have occasionally eaten fish. Why would you lie about it, and why would you be so evasive and cagey about something so small? That means you're going to be evasive and cagey about the big, important things, and we've already seen it. Earlier this week, we caught him on tape during the campaign calling white people crackers, boasting about his preference to smoke weed instead of work, and also talking about a 30% kickback uh, for mayoral funds that are going to private businesses. Very strange stuff. We've got a big problem with this guy in New York. I'm saying don't come here until things settle down. We don't know how this is going to turn out. All right. It's true. And it's ridiculous. What's going on in New York City? Folks, it's... it's scary this past weekend let me report to you how many attacks has happened in new york city itself a lot has gone a lot has been going on there has been um over this weekend in general over 40 um Anti-Semitic attacks. There has been. Um, five. Fifteen new shootings. And yeah. It's crazy what goes on over there. 
and nothing is getting done, folks. Nothing's getting done. All right, let's get on to next uh, topic. What is this? Well, we agreed to be roommates. Kinsinger, which is pretty much everybody, all right? These guys have been terrible. They were censured by the RNC. Mitch McConnell had to weigh in and say, well, that wasn't a very good idea. And uh, then he, he went further. January 6th. I don't think he's gone this far before. This guy really, really should be on CNN full time. We're here. We, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power all right, let's move on. Next. This is not the only bill. Or this the is a um, response from nasty Jen Psaki. The effort we're seeing across the country to, uh, to really uh, regulate what students can or cannot read, what they can or cannot learn, and most troubling, who they can or cannot be. Uh, as I think you saw in the president's tweet, uh, tweet um, it's cruel, it's harmful. Did she say treat or tweet? It was treat. Hmm. It was. It's ridiculous, folks, and it's ridiculous. All right. Well, a leftist triggered woman about masks. Listen to this. This woman today was giving me a lot of pushback on her mask policy at work, even though it was clearly outlined to her when she stated that she wanted to dine in with us versus taking it to go. We're a coffee shop. It's not like you're eating food. It's usually just like a couple bites or a sip. After like the third or fourth time that I asked her to please put her mask back on for the safety of the other people around her and our team, she was like, this just, it does make sense. It's not sanitary. What if I get food down in there? You... I just don't even think people realize that service industry workers spend like anywhere from six to 12 and even 14 hours a day living in this mask. I have to eat all of my food and beverages that I eat in a day doing this. Like you can do it for 30 minutes, 30 minutes to stop fucking. Oh my God. Terrible. All right. Um, Justin Trudeau. Meantime, Canadian authorities continue to scramble to find ways to ease the effect of a 12-day occupation in the nation's capital by truckers <laughs> upset over policies there. Meanwhile, Freedom Convoy of Truckers up in Canada is growing. They've locked a major border crossing between Detroit and Canada, jammed at the Ambassador Bridge. Yes, it's crazy what's going on up there. All right, next. Um, it's crazier what's going on in our country. Listen it is this. official. Our government, now run by radicals, operates like a third world country. The United States Capitol Police appears to be illegally investigating Republican members of Congress. This is stunning to the core. Our Democrat-controlled government is now officially out of control. Republican Congressman Troy Nels, his experience has now prompted an Inspector General review of the Capitol Police, Nels says. Capitol Police officers, 
He says he legally entered his office, took pictures of private documents and whiteboard used by the congressional staff in his office. The police filed a report against him, citing, quote, suspicious writings mentioning body armor. That had to do with proposed legislation, by the way. The police obviously didn't mention that. These Gestapo, or Capitol Police, it's hard to tell which now, returned again later to question staff members. Nell says the allegations are frightening, okay? A sitting member of Congress targeted by Capitol Police, overseen, of course, by Nancy Pelosi. Her quest to punish opposition is unrelenting. It sounds crazy. What's going on with that? All right, let's move on to the next one. You've by now heard this whole big hubbub about uh, the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL. All of this race drama as we get so close to the uh, Super Bowl. What a mess this is for the NFL. Uh, It's just a big black guy they don't need right before the Super Bowl. But there's an interesting point to be made here about the law firm that Brian Flores has hired to represent himself in this lawsuit against the NFL, which of course alleges that there's not enough diversity in the NFL and there's not enough black coaches in the NFL. And he's making this huge stink about it. He's comparing the NFL to a plantation. And it's utterly ridiculous on all of its faces. And it's even more ridiculous when you take a look at this. Emmanuel Acho from Fox Sports 1 puts it so perfectly. Enjoy. All of the partners in the law firm are white. And if you go to the law firm's webpage, every person of the 19 people on that webpage, you will not find one black person. So wait a second, Brian Flores. You are suing the NFL because of a lack of diversity, and your representation in suing the NFL lacks diversity. (laughs) I mean, isn't that perfect? Here's the law firm, by the way. Hey, I don't understand. How could it be a good law firm if it doesn't look like the United Nations? But Brian Flores, why did you hire them? Maybe you should have the same standards for your law firm as you do for the NFL. Maybe it should be based in merit. I don't know. Whatever it is. It's a very, very, very funny story. I'm Rob Schmidt filling in for Greg tonight. I've got a show at 10 p.m. It's coming up here. Next. Now you can have an expert do your taxes for you. 100% free. Simple. Let's speak about misinformation with CNN. Here we go. Um, they go nuts on CNN. They're going crazy. Quebec, so it's a bit more intense than other places in Canada. But look, I can't go skiing. I can't go to Walmart. I can't go to Canadian Tire. I can't go to Home Depot. I can't go to restaurants. I can't go to bars. I can't go to the gym. Truckers here in Canada have brought part of the country's capital to a standstill right outside the National Parliament. I was uh, hired on at a job not too long ago for a transport company out of Whitby, Ontario, and I was let go due to not willing to get the vaccines for my job, and I mean, that's not right for companies to be able to decide that and take away our right to earn money and support our livelihood. CNN is terrible. All right, next. Parents serves a Virginia 
school board over a mask mandate. Listen to this. crazy what's going on all right let's speak about inflation here we go just over one year in office, just over one year in office joe biden can easily be declared as the worst president in american history his promises are empty and every move he makes seems to be absolutely destructive today we learned inflation hit an all-time high prices of the things you buy spiked the most in 40 years. Everything costs more. Now, on average, 7.5% more than last year at this time. Inflation in the United States soaring to its highest level in four decades. Consumer prices jumped 7.5%. Inflation is up to its highest level in four decades. You have to go to 1982 to find a higher number. Be prepared for lots of volatility in 2022. Now this inflation report is not necessarily looking good um, for economic growth. What is worrying from the, the inflation data this morning was not only that it missed to the upside, but it was the nature of that miss. It's a disaster, all caused by Joe Biden and his team and their policies. These price hikes are devastating to the American family. And the reality is it could have all been prevented. You see, Joe Biden's mismanagement of our economy, his push for massive government spending and stimulus packages, put so much free cash into the economy, demand soared. But at the worst time possible, because we're still dealing with a very severe supply chain crisis. So he artificially pushed up demand with the infusion of cash at a time when supply is weighed down. That's a recipe for economic disaster. Inflation is up. It's up. We're in a situation now where, um, you know, you should have peace of mind. I know food prices are up and we're working to bring them down. I said I grew up in a family where the price of the pump went up, you filled it. And I understand. But these things are necessities. Necessities? Talks about peace of mind. Nobody in America has peace of mind right now. Everything is about uncertainty. And now you add in Joe Biden's war on big oil. He continues to do everything he can to limit drilling in America, stop exports, overregulate oil and gas producers. The result, of course, is then soaring gas prices. That means it costs more to deliver goods and services that is to be passed on, of course, to the consumer. So Joe Biden created the inflation tsunami that we now face. This is Joe Biden today. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down, which I'm going to work in to make sure that we keep strengthening the supply chains to bring the cost of energy and everything else and the goods that come to America down. 
by helping the ports 24-7, by changing a whole range of things that, you know, what's happened with COVID, COVID has caused significant increase in prices in the supply chain. If you're a liberal and you watch him, I want you to be honest with me. Do you have faith in that? Does that instill confidence? Doing everything he can to bring gas prices down? He doesn't have a plan to bring gas prices down unless he starts issuing more permits to start drilling again and he gets out of the way of big oil. That's not happening. What does he do there? He blames the China virus COVID for your skyrocketing gas prices. Give me a break. Everything is COVID's fault with this guy. Not the fact that he's trying to phase out oil entirely. And what is the result? Today, the Wall Street Journal estimated that the Biden inflation will cost the average American family $250 more a month. That number is the same whether you are rich or poor, which means inflation takes the most brutal toll on the American families that can least afford it. But you know who benefits from inflation? This is a little secret, by the way. Large corporations benefit. Yes, their cost to produce goods goes up. But during times of inflation, these companies raise their prices at, at a rate higher than the production cost increases. They use the inflation as an excuse to raise prices even higher than they need to be raised. So in the end, their net margins, their profits, well, they increase. And every analyst will agree with me. Big it's crazy. And what's going on in our country? Here we go next with Greg Kelly. Um, we have a lot to talk about next. He really is getting worse. Bad at the job. Now, we know he's incompetent. We know he lies. He also seems to have contempt, a lack of respect for us, for the country. I really see that. Now, it's very apparent whenever Afghanistan comes up. Our horrible and humiliating loss in Afghanistan, which is his responsibility. Now, this week, there was a pretty devastating report uh, from the Pentagon, as reported by the Washington Post, about all the screw-ups over there and how much the Biden administration was responsible. Now, Lester Holt sat down with Joe for a big interview leading up to the Super Bowl. Most of it will be played at the Super Bowl. It came up. Joe couldn't keep anything straight in his head. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops, and we were back in this, this war of attrition. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. Oh, that's not old age. That's Joe. He's always been like that. He had to drop out of his first presidential campaign because... He could not control the way he spoke. He had to deal with it back when he was 45 years old. Do you feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, and uh, I, uh, um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to uh, stand and you can make you all can make that judgment i feel very capable of uh using my mouth and sync with my mind 
we got a big problem with this guy, a big problem. So I mentioned that Washington Post report. Uh, yes, it's devastating, outlining all of the mistakes, the frustrations the military had with the White House as it screwed this thing up from top to bottom. Joe seems in total denial about the whole thing. Denial and also, again, the dishonesty. You can feel it. I have to draw your attention to that Army report, an investigative report that's come out about the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It, it interviewed many military officials and officers who said the administration ignored the handwriting on the wall. Uh, another described trying to get folks in the embassy ready to evacuate, encountering uh, you know, people who are in, essentially in denial of, of this situation. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told. That you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No, what I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. But if we had not so, gotten out... And then he goes to a bunch of gibberish, which he's said before. I think the lie detector test would be going off the charts just for changing the tone. No. No. And then this is, to me... Very obvious that he's lying. I just want to clarify, are you rejecting the conclusions or the, the accounts that are in this Army report? Yes, I am. So they're not, not true? I'm rejecting them. That's dishonesty. There's something fundamentally wrong with this man. I'm sorry. And <laughs> it was a roadmap back when he ran for president. I'll show you again. He was caught lying about Everything that ever happened to him prior to the age of 25. Listen. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly... I, I think, we I, I, think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. One degree, not three, no international moot court trophy, no honors, no scholarship, all of that were lies. And if you will lie about the small things, you will lie about Afghanistan. You will. Now, more about the interview, which we'll see on Sunday, if you watch the Super Bowl, and I'll have some thoughts about that in a little bit. I woke up today and I saw headlines all over the place. Ooh, uh, Joe called the reporter a wise guy. Biden snaps at wise guy Lester Holt. Wow, I got to see this. Sounds like fireworks, doesn't it? I mean, it reads that way. No, it was nothing. Back in July, you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, I understand that's your job. Ooh, what fireworks, huh? Um, what was more interesting was his totally out of touch, probably dishonest, uh, maybe just kind of a dumb explanation of why we're seeing record inflation. 
No mention of the extra trillions of dollars rolling around the economy. This is what he said. Let's look at the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is the supply chains were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles and so they could function, they need those computer chips. They were not available. So what happens with the number of cars that were reduced, the new cars reduced, it made up at one point, one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestically, we got Intel to come in and provide $20 billion to build a new facility. A number of organizations are doing the same kinds of things. It really is just uh, just gibberish at this point, isn't it? Now, I haven't seen the whole interview. It's not available yet. It will be on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I have a feeling January 6th is going to come up. And Joe will once again try to portray this as the worst thing that ever happened to our democracy. And as you know, the left, they've been trying to seize more power. And so is big tech. This being the biggest threat, they've got to push back. they got to fight all of those white supremacists, right? Which is a total lie, by the way. It reminded me of something. And actually, somebody who knows history better than I do pointed out that Hitler, yes, Adolf Hitler, tried, believe it or not, a similar trick, okay? Using an event as a pretext for more power, as the left is doing right now with January 6th. There was something called the Reichstag fire in 1933, I believe. The parliament was set ablaze. Now, Hitler was only in power for a little while at this point. He did not have a majority in the parliament. Um, Less than 40%, I think, were made up of Nazis. He wanted more. He wanted more power. So they used this as an excuse. They said, this is a communist revolt. We've got communists here in Germany. We need more power to counteract them. Yes, we need to clamp down. In fact, Hitler wanted to be made the dictator. And he actually made it happen as a result of this fire. They call it the Reichstag. All right, let's move on. Hurry up. Um, We've got a half hour. All right, here we go. Did you hear the statement? So you're saying that my teenagers are threatened for being in Ottawa? Is that well, what you're telling me? Answer, answer, you answer my question. This is a reporter getting triggered by Ottawa. We've all answered questions. You answer mine. What? Are my children in danger from? Are my children in danger for being in Ottawa? Well, it, it sounds from my understanding of the Children's Aid Society. Are my children in danger for being in Ottawa right now? Tell me yes what, or no. What do you mean by in danger? I, you tell me. You're coming here trying to say that children are in danger. You got the inside scoop because you guys are the messenger for the devil. You tell me right now. Are my kids in danger for being here? Should I send them on the first train out of town? Tell me now. It sounds like the Children's Aid Society is saying that. So you're saying that my kids are going to get hurt? I'm not saying anything. I don't. All I'm saying is that they put out the statement and I'm looking for your reaction. So you, so you want, you're telling me now. That I should be getting my kids out of town because no, they're going to get hurt. The RCMP is going to come in here and do what to my kids? What are they going to do? Because you don't give a shit about nobody. All you care about is your no, paycheck. You sold your soul a long time ago. You sold your soul a long time ago, and you sold your soul a long time ago. You work for the devil. That's who you work for. That's who you work for. That's your boss. I'm here to talk about this thing. But I'm telling you, are my kids in 
danger in this city right now. I don't know the future. Like, I don't know. I mean, all I can tell well, you is Well, then why that, are you coming here trying to act like I, you're I'm concerned about kids? I'm here to this is what the leftist reporters are doing, including CNN. It's ridiculous, and they should be ashamed of themselves. All right, next. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. The Labor Department also reported that even though wages are... ...comes very, very defensive. There speaks of Kamala Harris becoming the um, Supreme Court justice picks, and I believe it. I believe it. Um, and there speaks of Clinton, and I believe that also. All right. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has a new bill about crack, and even he's in cracked in the head. Here we go. This Sunday, Americans will eat well over. against wing waste. Thanks, Jen. Um, HHS just put out a statement clarifying um, around some reports uh, that crack pipes are not going to be part of the safe smoking kits that are funded by the administration. Um, but can you clarify for us, were they never a part of the kit or were they removed in response to this reporting and this pushback? They were never a part of the kit. It was inaccurate reporting and we wanted to put out information to make that clear. What is in the safe smoking kit? Uh, a safe smoking kit may contain alcohol swabs, lip balm, other materials to promote hygiene and reduce the transmission of diseases like HIV and hepatitis. I would note that what we're really talking about here is steps that we're taking as a federal government to address the opioid epidemic, which is killing uh, tens of thousands, if not more, Americans uh, every single day, week, month of the year. Uh, we put out this statement, though, because there was inaccurate information out there. I should say HHS put out this statement because there was inaccurate information out there, and we wanted to provide clarification on the allowable uses for the HHS harm reduction program. It's not a change in policy. Uh, this program, though. Well, well, well. It's blah, 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 and we're going to have more people on the streets smoking um, crack, and it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Folks, it's really, really ridiculous. Like this. Listen to this. About um, Nancy Pelosi had her 900,000 um, American lives lost. Uh, moment of silence ever since they have it outside the Capitol. A moment of silence prayer outside the Capitol. Um, they do a whole thing. 800,000. A whole thing. They did a whole thing without 700,000 a tweet, without a 700,000 folks. It's very nice what's going on with, with these things, but 
it's over, it's ridiculous what's going on. Um, in our administration, and we don't see this in our own eyes. All right, let's move on. Next, Super Bowl numbers. sticker shock. These ads are selling single parking spots for more than $6,000. In this parking structure next door to SoFi Stadium, there's a spot for nearly $7,000. At this parking lot, a single spot, get this, is selling for $5,000. And it's a mile from the stadium, so be prepared for a brisk walk. Meantime, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is converging around SoFi Stadium to keep the high-profile Super Bowl event safe. This is a radiation-detecting uh, backpack. Really? Yeah, and uh, basically what we'll do is we'll walk, uh, we'll walk the areas of the stadium. Deputy Tom Mayberry showed us his radiation tracking devices. This will just help me identify an unknown substance. Hey, Bear! His Labrador, Bear, is the only certified canine trained in the country to sniff out biological weapons. And on the field, it's Inside Edition special Super Bowl correspondent, Cheryl Burke. Excitement is building for the big game, and I'm here with the Bengals cheerleaders. The Dancing with the Stars champ proves she's... Proving she's... Both teams... All right. That's that. All right, Amazon. Is looking a lot at of Washington room. workers at Amazon warehouses could soon be able to ditch the mask starting today while they're on the job. The Seattle-based company announcing it is dropping the mask mandate for its vaccinated workers. King 5's Angelique Cockaday live at a fulfillment center in Kent this morning. Angelique, Washington and King County still have their own mask policies. Does that impact this announcement at all? Now, it actually doesn't, Jake and Mimi, because warehouses like this fulfillment center here in Kent are not considered uh, indoor public settings. So as long as those employees are vaccinated, Amazon is following Washington state guidelines. Now, the move to ditch mask mandates comes after many states have started to lift indoor mask mandates. Washington is not one of them. Still, this is a big change for the tech giant that has required masks for all employees since December due to Omicron. Now, the company is also getting rid of of COVID-related paid leave for unvaccinated employees. To receive that paid leave, employees must show proof of vaccination by next Friday. Now, it's unclear. It's crazy. All right, next. The push for the Victorian government to abandon its plans to keep QR check-ins mandatory, despite the app no longer being used for contact tracing. Check-ins have fallen by half since December, as the government warns Victorians are becoming complacent with using QR codes. Data collected by the Sunday Age shows the number of scans dropped from 45.6 million in November to a weekly average of 20 million. This month, the government has vowed to persevere with the system, saying QR codes are occasionally used for contact tracing in high-risk settings. Queensland last week removed the... Next. Okay, on the Russia-Ukraine tensions, we've heard this week Joe Biden's... Next. All right, let's go to our numbers in... South Wales has recorded 8,183 new local COVID cases in the latest testing period. 32 people have died. 1,650 are in hospital with the virus. 104 patients are in intensive care and 47 
require ventilation. Of the new infections, 4,895 rapid antigen tests were recorded online and there were 3,288 positive PCR test results received. More than 61,000 cases are active in New South Wales. Well, New South Wales has recorded just over 6,000 new COVID cases. 14 people have died. Joining us now with more on the Russian threat of invasion, Chief Rabbi of Kiev in Ukraine. Mm, um, hang on, before we go to that, this is Victoria. Victoria has reported 7,224 new local COVID infections in the latest testing period. 19 people have died. 2,545 cases were detected through PCR tests and 4,679 infections through rapid antigen tests. 487 Victorians are in hospital with the virus and 79 patients are being treated in intensive care. 50% of the state residents have received three doses of a COVID vaccine. There are more than 55,000 COVID cases active across Victoria. Well, folks, today we have a follow-up report to that Axios investigation that revealed seven out of ten top stock traders in the House of Representatives over the past two years are, of course, Democrats. These lawmakers are making millions of dollars in the stock market. Congress needs to ban members of Congress from trading stocks altogether. Topping that list of prolific congressman day traders is New Jersey Democrat Josh Gottheimer. With a whopping 891 trades, Axios found that 75 out of the $81 million of stock purchases he made were, of course, in the big tech sector. Democrats are always friendly to them. Well, Stinchfield producer Brent Costantino tried to ask Congressman Gottheimer before a news conference in New Jersey about his stock trades. This is how it went down. Hey, Congressman Gottheimer. Hi, Axios reported that you had the most number of stock trades by any member of Congress. Do you support the bipartisan legislation to ban members of Congress from trading individual stock? Look at him scurry away like a cockroach when the lights come on. Not even acknowledging this conversation. It is a valid question. The police protecting Gottheimer apparently kicked our producer out not even allowing him at an event where he invited the media. It's an outrage. All of this connects to our Give It Back Nancy campaign. So I want you to sign our petition. Force Nancy Pelosi to give back the whopping $35 million she made profiting off of her position. You ready? GiveItBackNancy.com. Give it back. It's amazing. All right, next. Do you pay the ransom? All right, next, let's go to CNN, and then we're going to go to the Super Bowl stuff. Some of the White House documents that Donald Trump improperly took to his Mar-a-Lago residence were clearly marked as classified, including documents at the top secret level. Joining us now is former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham uh, to talk about this. Uh, Stephanie, what did you think about this? I also want to mention you are the author of I'll Take Your Questions Now, what I saw at the Trump White House. Um, what did you make of this report? And tell us how this hues to how he handled documents when you were at the White House. You know, I wasn't surprised. Watergate is, there's a, Trump 
there was people that dressed up um, as construction workers and took documents from these congressmen while they're away. And it's ridiculous. So it's fake and they should be, and they're being sued right now. So don't worry. All right, let's move on to the Ukraine deal in his, with the Israel report. Here we go. In Ukraine, Rabbi Jonathan Benjamin Markovich. Rabbi, thanks so much for joining us. You know, what, what are the feelings on the ground right now in your community? First of all, good afternoon to you and all of the, to all of the Israeli people and the Israeli uh, that in Israel and not just in Israel. Uh, we have a difficult situation here. It's not simple. It, it's, it's a problematic situation, but we are strong and we are together and we think that everything will be okay. Have, have you and had... We are here. So have you had any contact with government officials, Ukrainian, Israeli, or otherwise? Yes, of course, with the Israeli and the Ukraine, of course, and even the American government and the American em- embassy here in Ukraine. What, what are they advising you to do, or you know, what, what sort of preparations are you working with them on? Of course, I understand the Israeli government asks us to go to Israel back, and not just us, all of the Israeli citizens. Uh, the American uh, embassy asks all the American citizens to go back to to the states, and the Ukraine government ask ask all of the Jewish or not just Jewish people to stay in Ukraine, not to be fighting, not to fight, uh, to stay here. So you know, speaking of speaking of uh, you know the Jewish population, I understand that there's some two hundred thousand Jewish Ukrainians who live in the states uh, and may or may not have a dual citizenship elsewhere. You know, they've been advised, as you said, by Israel to, to look into expedited immigration or aliyah. Uh, and now you see the, uh, as you said, the Ukrainian government asking Ukrainian Jews to stay. What, what's the popular opinion in, in your congregation, in your community? Are, are the Jews of Ukraine, uh, you know, frightful to, to stay or, and willing to do so anywhere, a- anyway? Or are they looking to escape? Most of the people of most of the Jewish population will stay in uh, Ukraine and those places that they live now. Uh, of course, the Israeli or the other uh, people that have another passport, uh, few of them, or even even more than few of them, will go back to to other countries, to the, the same countries that they came from there. But most of the Jewish population will stay here, and uh, they are here. They stay here until now. So, what other what other preparations maybe have have been taken uh, or are underway ahead of the potential conflict? You know, have you anywhere to evacuate to? Do you have safe houses set up or, or places to go if uh, if the conflict reaches Kiev? Yes, of course. We we'll make few safe houses. We make in every city that there are Jewish community, uh, the rabbi, the local rabbi, have 
safe house. They, we bought a lot of products, dry products like sugar, rice, uh, flour, oils, everything that we can uh, send to the, those people that uh, cannot afford themselves to buy a lot of uh, products or to, to buy products that they can live a few weeks. And uh, we have in uh, the synagogues safe house. We have there, we bought a few tons of products and water and uh, even place to sleep. We, we have a place that a few hundred people can come and uh, be in the synagogue and uh, in every city, almost every city in Ukraine. And the people, those people that cannot afford themselves or cannot go out from Ukraine, because we have a lot of uh, different right. uh, solutions to those people that are staying. I, I understand it's better to live. Maybe it's, it's better to live, but we are not living. We are staying. We are uh, Lubavitch rabbis is, uh, doing what Lubavitch Rebbe told us to do. All right. Rabbi, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we're all praying for your safety. Oh my God. All right. Next. To begin, tensions rising to a near fever pitch along the western Russian Ukraine border. Israel Prime Minister Naftali Bennett then now officially calling on all Israeli citizens in Ukraine to prepare for immediate evacuation. <laughs> In a rare Shabbat cabinet meeting, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett expressing the latest alarm at events unfolding on the Ukraine-Russia border. This following American and NATO warnings that a Russian invasion of Ukraine could come before the end of the Winter Olympics and in as few as the next few days. Bennett then, following the West's lead and urging all Israeli citizens to take advantage of the supposed calm before the storm, diplomats and their families having already begun their evacuations. אנחנו לא יודעים מה יהיו ההתפתחויות בימים הקרובים בין רוסיה לאוקראינה. כמו כל העולם, אנחנו מקווים שהמתיחות תסתיים ללא הסלמה. אבל חובתנו הראשונה היא לדאוג לאזרחים שלנו, האזרחים הישראלים. לכן במהלך השבת, שר החוץ ואני והצוותים שלנו, דאגנו להגביר מאוד את קצב הטיסות לישראל, ואני קורא פה שוב לישראלים באוקראינה. Now, on top of increasing civilian flights, though, Israeli officials also rushing to update their list of citizens in the country by requesting that all Israelis in Ukraine register with the foreign ministry. And additionally, Defense Minister Gantz instructing the IDF to prepare to extract Israelis amidst an active Russian invasion. According to the Israeli foreign ministry, some 15,000 Israelis are estimated to be living in Ukraine. Only about 4,500 have registered with the ministry thus far. ILTV. All right, next. Now let's get to the um, big game. We have some, uh, our score update. Um, hang on. Bengals versus Rams. Bengals are winning 
in the third period, 20-16. Meanwhile, Trevor Noah came out with an ad here. Eating a um, deodorant. You gotta watch this. It's a uh, Uber Eats ad. It's ridiculous. Alright, Jim Lamont. Listen to this one. We want the guys that are smart. Not this one. Jim Lamont. Jim Lehman, a uh, guy who's running for Senate in Arizona. That was an ad on the um, Super Bowl for this year. Man, I don't know how much he paid for that ad, but it looks amazing. I love it, and it's great. Another ad. It's showing different um, scripts of what happened over the year and playing this song. We'll begin at the beginning. Um, Inflation high. And then they show the uh, Afghanistan and then big tech. Then the uh, trade deal with uh, China. And then the homicides. Then the border, too much, so much. Then Brandon, I'm Dave McCormick, and I approve this message. Another guy, Dave McCormick. I'm Dave McCormick, and I. Dave McCormick for um Senate. He's running for Senate in not sure where. Approve this message. Dave McCormick. Not sure where. Um these people are make made billions. If you if you put up your ad on the Super Bowl, he's running for 
Senate in hmm. where is he? In in Pennsylvania. Time to start turning to uh, our focus to the midterm races and the Senate race in Battleground, Pennsylvania. I want to put this so we agree with him much better than let's say Dr. Mamet Oz. Um, David McCormick is running for that place, and he's a Trumper, of course. All right, next The Rock sings the face off of the NFL Super Bowl. What the heck is wrong with him? All right. Let's go back to our ads. Hellman's. Hellman's wants to tackle food waste. So naturally, a black, they hired this legend. It's a black person, of course. It's a woke Don't ad. Toss that. And then that the person that he tackled was a Latino person. You can make grilled cheese with that bread. Not on my watch. Now white. And the kid is you can make also salad. And then an old grandma. Don't throw away that spinach. Make a frittata. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mom's already tackling food waste, ma'am. All right. Yeah, that's a weird ad. I don't like that ad. But the ad for um, the Senate has, I love, I love it. All right, let's go to Budweiser. The horse and then a dog. Injured horse and an Indian. And then this guy coming in. I still don't get this story. It's so weird. If you you can watch these commercials online, by the way. So Budweiser's commercial is weird this year. It's a really weird commercial. All right, let's go to Amazon. Hey, babe, check this out. Alexa, it's game day. Streaming football on Prime Video. Closing blinds. Chilling Rosé. Rosé? Well, it's an afternoon game. It's like she can read your mind. Your mind. All right, that's even weirder. All right, next, Frito Lay. 
Oh, the Doritos commercial. This one is the best. You got a kid trying to eat. Everyone should everyone should watch this one. Towards the end, it's getting weird, but it's toward the middle is very funny. Alright, it's a little weird, but funny. Alright, here we go. Yes! Another sack. You lose. That'll make it what? very long. Super Bowl champions, once again. Oh, it's not over yet. Snap to Lamar. It's too high! <gasps> never seen this That's, that's it. Alright, that's all the commercials that we have from there. Alright, the latest on the score is 2016 in the third. Um, and that's all, folks. Um, NFL is terrible, and they got woke, and we hate them. Alright, we thank everyone for tuning in. Congratulations to whatever team wins. Um, I don't care. God bless everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I got to watch my halftime. Um, by the way, the halftime this year was only 15 minutes. How about that? And um, Next week is... We're going to speak about more about um, Rush Limbaugh. And also we're going to speak about President's Day. Um, in next week's podcast, so, God bless Rush, God bless you, we miss you, alright, thank you for tuning in, have a wonderful day.